I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psych Hacks, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is overcoming scarcity mentality. So I have a secret to confess. When I was in my teens and early 20s, I would occasionally receive a gift from a friend or a family member, something small, like a cupcake or a bunch of cookies. And even though I was delighted by the present, even though the present looked rather delicious, I would often refrain from eating the present because on some level, if I ate it, it would be gone and then I would have nothing. But if I didn't eat it, I would still have the present. I understand that this was irrational, but it's what I did. I'd sometimes keep those cookies for months, even though doing so would cause them to go stale because it would keep me connected to the gift and the intention that I presumed to be behind it. Of course, in the holding on to the gift, I lost the gift because the cookies got stale, but for a time, I managed to convince myself that I still had it. And I think this is how the scarcity mentality works. I'm gonna cling to this and not use it or enjoy it or experience it. I'm gonna cling to this because clinging is preferable to the nothingness that I expect would take its place were I to use it or enjoy it or experience it. I had no real confidence that if I were to eat the cookies, they would be replaced by a fresh batch on a reasonable timeline. For me, that's the crux of the scarcity mentality. If I were to eat the cookie, it wouldn't be replaced. Now, the fact of the matter is that we need to eat cookies in order to create space for more cookies to come into our lives. If my friend were to find out that I hadn't yet eaten the cookie she had already given me, why would she bake me more? it would be wasteful. And I think both people and the universe tend to operate according to this rational principle of parsimony. The reality is that we're going to lose the cookie anyway. Whether we lose it through staleness or whether we lose it through consumption is irrelevant, the cookie is doomed. So if we're going to lose the cookie anyway, why not enjoy it? And why not cultivate more trust in one of the more rational dimensions of reality, namely, that nature abhors Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason on a Tuesday night in Los Angeles, California, back in the building. You already know what it is. We in the heart of Africa town, Lamert Park. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. The voice of reason live on KBLA Talk 1580. You already know what it is. I bring difficult conversations to the forefront. These are the conversations that most people don't want to have. And I bring special people in the building. The sister that's joining me tonight. She was already on my television show and blew it out the water. People have been telling me like, yo, that, that episode with Dr. Mayo was cool. I enjoyed it. If you haven't uh, heard or you've been living under a rock, Zoe Williams has his own television show as well called The Situation Shift. You can find it on Our TV 78. Download the Our TV 78 app. And every Monday night, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, you will see a brand new episode of The Situation Shift. And my guest, Dr. Mayo. Hello. Yes, Dr. Mayo is in the building. Did you enjoy your time on The Situation? I did. I really did. You really cooked. <laughs> I was excited. I was. I loved every bit of it. Are you ready for tonight's topic? It's really your topic. You told me what to do, right? 
Right. Here we go. Broke love. Is your relationship on the rocks because of an impoverished mindset, an impoverished mentality? And we're not just talking about broken finances. That's one type of broke. But there are many other types of broke. And we're going to peel back the layers to this thing. How does growing up poor affect love and relationship and marriage? Growing up poor can have, apparently, a deep impact on how you interact with each other. This is going to be deep. What is the mentality of being poor? What is a poor mentality? What does it mean? We heard our psych hacks clip talk about the scarcity mentality. Is there a difference? I think there isn't. Uh, can you have a good relationship if you grew up poor? Yes or no? True or false? Call me right now. 1-800-920-1580. True or false? Growing up without money often leads to a poverty or scarcity mindset in adults. Yes or no? True or false? 1-800-920-1580. Does having a poverty mindset ultimately spill over into your relationship choices? Hmm. Who you choosing? Is based on who's losing. 1-800-920-1580. The voice of reason is ready to cook. When I come forward, you're going to hear from my guest, and you're going to hear from the callers. You know how y'all do. Get to your phone line so I can bring you and your city in the building. Listen to me. Rich people think different. So what I'm going to put in your head today is a rich people concept. So you can get to understand it. The only difference between successful people and not is just how they think. Rich people think different. Quit letting people tell you you got to get qualified in another program. You don't need another program to be successful. You need to change the way you think. So here's the deal. The problem with becoming a millionaire is that when you decide that you want to be a millionaire, you immediately start thinking, how can I become a millionaire? Well, that thought don't just pop into your head, so you get frustrated and you don't become a millionaire. And you start creating stuff like, well, I guess this wasn't the Lord's will, or as soon as I think of how I'm gonna make a million. You can't think of how to make a million dollars. Stop. Do you know if you know how to make a million dollars? What's the day, Tuesday? Wouldn't you make it by Friday? Wouldn't not you make it by Friday? But suppose I told you how you can become a millionaire with what you have. Because here's the deal. All of you have everything it takes to become rich. You just don't believe it. Poverty, consumer mindset. Wealth, a producer's mindset. When you desperate, you make desperate moves. Find an area of your life where you're not wealthy and put all your energy on it. Relationships, get the wealthy relationships. Stop hanging out with people who ain't healthy unless y'all made a commitment to help them to get healthy. Does that make sense? Get your money right. Get your spiritual life right. There should be no area of your life you can't be wealthy. Why? Because he said be fruitful. Then he said multiply. Then he said have dominion. Then he said subdue. Money makes a difference. Let me tell you what money does. Number one, it gives you control over your life. Number two, it gives you options. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason, we talking about a broke mentality and how it affects relationships. A chronically impoverished mindset can have a, pro a profound long-term effect 
on the mental and emotional well-being of individuals in relationships. Financial struggles can bring stress, anxiety, and a sense of hopelessness, leading to strained communication and emotional disconnection. Ah, that's going to hurt. The constant worry about money can overshadow intimacy and erode trust as partners may blame each other for their financial situation. This mindset can also hinder personal growth and limit opportunities for self-improvement. However, with awareness and productive steps towards financial literacy, emotional support, couples can navigate these challenges together, fostering resilience, empathy, and a stronger bond that transcends material wealth. My guest, Dr. Mayo is in the building. LMFT, get in here. Talk hey. to me. <laughs> so when we talk about impoverished mindset, it's it's a heavy topic for me because I do couples therapy and I you know speak to people all the time. People don't understand that having an impoverished mindset it affects you in every area of your life, especially your relationships, right? So I just want to tell this story when I was at the juvenile hall with some girls. And I was telling them when I was a kid, you know, I used to have my shoes and that would be my Carvette for my Barbies. And then we would have books and like build houses for the Barbies. And I've always seen where I was at before I got there. And so many times because people can't see it, they don't believe it. And when they don't believe it, they basically it affects them in every area of their life. And when you talk about relationships, they settle. An impoverished mentality, a.k.a. is just low self-esteem. Let's go deeper. Say more. We we, we, we we cooking on something right now. Say more. So when you talk about low self-esteem, right, let's just talk about it from a man's perspective, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of men talk about, you know, women are not women anymore. They don't cook. They don't do this. They don't do that, right? right. But they're also not the head of the household. They have an impoverished mentality, mm. right? Mm. You don't want to work. You don't want to be the man, but you want to be treated like the man. But in, in fact, you're being treated like a son, because of your mentality. So even when you talk about impoverished mentality, right? Mm. We talk about the sense of that's a person that has nothing to lose. Right. And if I have nothing to lose, what do I have to gain? And so in a relationship, if you say you are a person, well, let me step back for a minute. Because many times people have an impoverished mentality and they don't even know they have it. Keep going. Because we could talk about money, right? You could make all the money in the world, but you could be spiritually, emotionally, and mentally bankrupt. That's right. So an impoverished mentality is just that, being a broken individual and being bankrupt in many aspects as a person, Come as on. yourself. Yes. See, see, now we cook it. Unhealed wounds can be a type of spiritual oh, that, debt. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Yes. What, what do you thought we was doing over here? <laughs> Did you think I didn't know? Come on. So even when we talk about spirituality, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how deep you want to go. Because I don't know your faith. As deep as you okay, go. Let's so go. I'm a Christian, right? Right. And so even with soul ties and relationships, you have in relationships, sex with men and women, and those are soul ties. Mm -hmm. And you're not even understanding how different spirits are attaching to you. And now it's affecting you in ways that you don't even understand. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, this person is dealing with homosexuality or depression or whatever, and you link up with this person. And now you start to take on these feelings. And now you're in the relationship. And now it's affecting your relationship. But mm -hmm. people are not thinking about these things because obviously if you have an impoverished mentality you don't even know you're broken Ooh, hoo, 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 hoo. the concept of a poverty mindset revolves around living in 
uh, uh, this mindset of perpetual scarcity and fear, doubting the possibility of abundance. It encompasses the belief that things will never work out and that even current possessions can be lost at any moment. So now I'm starting to see that fear also plays a role in this impoverishment, right? This impoverished mindset. How is it that people can or how can people overcome fear? What is the what is the hold that fear has on people? Let's let's talk about fear. It 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 drives me crazy when people say I'm shy and I tell them you're not shy. Shy is a form of fear. And typically people are shy fearful because you care about what other people think mm -hmm. and the the whole thing of fear is being healed a mm -hmm. lot of people don't know how to get healed a lot of people don't want to be healed mm -hmm. for example if i have an impoverished mentality it means that i have to put in work to grow to for healing right when you go to therapy there's not a therapist that waves a magic wand and say hey you're healed there's some actions and steps and work you have to do, just like you go to the gym to work out to lose weight, right? There's work you have to put in. So fear to me is either a form where you want to stay stuck or insecurity where you don't know how to grow. Ooh, wait a minute. Oh, Lord. She's cooking with the rarest grease. I think it's avocado oil. Listen, she just gave us an entirely different perspective on broke. Many people think broke is what's happening or not happening in your wallet. But if you have unrequited wounds, unhealed wounds, you're a different type of broke. Now, the sad thing in our sick society is that if you've got money in your pocket, you can have a broken spirit and find a wife and find a husband and find somebody to spend time with you. Why is that? Because if you're broke, right, two broken people don't make a whole. So if I'm broke, I'm going to attract a broken person. Mm -hmm. It's commonalities. Mm -hmm. Our friends, who do we hang out with people? Mm -hmm. Who do we hang out with? People that have commonalities. Right. And relationships, who do we, who do we get with? Mm -hmm. It's commonalities. And sometimes we bond over trauma. So trauma bonding, yes. Exactly. So if that person has an impoverished uh, mindset, and I do too, which one, if I walk in a room, right, and I have an impoverished mentality, which means I'm insecure, mm -hmm. am I going to go for the healthy person where it's a challenge or the impoverished person where I basically feel like I don't have to ch be challenged? Where your wounds get to reminisce. You choose the unhealthy person because you've modeled some unhealthy things, right, from childhood on into adulthood. And it's comfortable. Right. So you choose what's comfortable. You choose, hey, my wounds are familiar with that. There's I know how to deal with that. I know yes. how to walk in that. It's like having a person in the hood, right, and taking them around, like, in the suburbs. They feel out of place. But it's not that people are making you feel out of place. It's an insecurity within yourself. Mm. It's the same thing. So if you walk in the room and you're trying to date or whatever, and there's a person that the, they don't have, well, they have a healthy mindset, you're obviously going to go, you're going to gravitate to what's more comfortable to you because it's easy. Mm, 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 mm. If you beg for money or resources, <laughs> more begging will, in, will be increasingly required. Begging exacerbates void and lack. Instead of begging 
find some people to provide value to and ensure that they pay you according to the value you provide. The creation of value will eliminate poverty and facilitate wealth. That was Hendrith Vallon Smith Jr., the wealth reference guide, an American classic. A lot of people don't know how to cultivate wealth within themselves. Now, see, I'm going to push you a little bit, Doc. I believe everybody is broken to some degree. I believe that everybody is a work in progress. And I believe we attract lessons so that we can overcome ourselves. I like that. Now, I believe that relationship is a spiritual school for that. You attract the lesson you need so you can overcome yourself. Hold on, but do you think everyone is always broken or they at some point were broken? Because that's the difference. Yeah, yeah, there's a difference. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, it's a progression. Right. Right. And and what and to, to answer your point, I believe that you get fragments of answers. This is why I tell people all the time. You might need four or five relationships to get one ha- one whole answer about yourself because one relationship provided you with a fragment of an answer about yourself. Then you left that one. You got into another one. That one provided another piece to the puzzle. And by the time you get maybe two or three, maybe four relationships, you go, wow, I do do that. These relationships showed me a pattern. And I don't believe you. Sometimes you might get one whole answer in one situation, but for the most part, you get fragmented pieces, right? And as you're progressing, you're learning more and more about yourself. You're starting to create a self-concept about what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And that takes a little bit of time. Right. So for me, many people are afraid to deal with what's broken in them because that's who they think they are now. There was a time when it hurt and it probably still hurts, but it's comfortable. It is their known. It is their truth. Talk to me about how to break up with the identity of lack with the identity of scarcity. Breaking away from that, I think you, I like what, I don't remember who it was, but the intro or one of the things you played, the little clip is you have to surround yourself with people where you want to go mm-hmm. or people what you want to be like, just like my myself with, you know, my marriage. I don't surround myself with unhealthy or toxic couples mm-hmm. because if you want to be in a healthy relationship, you should be around other healthy couples. Mm-hmm. So sometimes- Agreed. And having people around you that's going to pull your coattail. But I want to go back to what you were saying. I want to challenge you a bit. Because you said you got to go to five different relationships, hypothetically. Hypothetically. Okay. But how come it's not a situation of people just staying alone and being by self to understand and learn self? Well, most people are not Tibetan monks and meditating and (laughs) looking inward. Most people are not doing that. Right. So being by yourself for most people is futile. Because... I always tell people this. If you're not doing the work when you by yourself, it's going to show up in the relationship. Correct. So most people are not even looking at themselves. They're looking at TV, Netflix. They, right. They, right. you know, they right. hanging out. Right. They, they medicate, self-medicate. Nobody's really doing self-work because self-work hurts. When we come forward, the voice of reason is going to keep this fire lit. Dr. Mayo is on complete fire. Don't move. So I've been doing a few of these that I'm calling passages. I've 
wanted to take pieces of my book, More Myself, and read you and share with you certain passages that stick out to me, and then kind of talk through it and build on it. Um, I love it because, you know, we're all going through different passages in our life, and these passages represent some of my personal passages. So, you know, a little wordplay. I love that whole feeling, and I love that word. That's such a, you know, such a beautiful word. Um, this part of the book uh, is a special moment when I really started to open up to a new way of thinking, and I wanted to share it. Songs in A minor improved my financial picture, but it didn't significantly change how I handled my money. Every ka-ching triggered in me a long-held fear, followed by a question, if all of this suddenly goes away, have I saved enough to be okay? I'd seen how quickly circumstances could shift, as fast as they once had when my mother lost her father in the family's breadwinner. And I was determined not to end up as the penniless bag lady, the former star whose downward spiral left her in dire financial straits. So in the early days of my career, I was very, very careful with cash. And when I did buy something for myself, I never went for flashy. In place of $5,000 designer boots or Bentleys, I opted for white t-shirts and Tim's I could get cheap on 125th Street. I'll never forget the first time I went to Bergdorf Goodman, the luxury department store on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. Erica, my childhood friend who later worked on my team as my day-to-day -day manager, was with me. Following the album Mentor, I just received my first major check. I deposited it and didn't touch it for weeks. You should go shopping, Erica urged me. I reluctantly agreed. I mean, it can't hurt to look, I figured. And maybe it was time for a small indulgence. If you've ever roamed the aisles of Bergdorf's, then you understand how forcefully desire can grab you by the throat. You quickly go from swearing you don't need a single thing to lusting after designer sneakers you hadn't even known existed before the moment you spotted them. Within a half Ladies and gentlemen, that was the legendary Alicia Keys talking about mm. her money fears. Made some money, but was afraid to spend it because of how she was raised. That first check, like, let's go to this designer store. Listen, a lot of people do not understand the process of childhood trauma and its impact on adult relationships. And a lot of people have a, a, a misconception of childhood trauma. They think childhood trauma is being in a house with a dude like Ike, right? But it's not always that uh, blatant or obvious. Sometimes it's very subtle, right? And you wake up one day and you're 34 and you're in a relationship and it manifests itself in some kind of way. Or you wake up and you're 21, you wake up and you're 25 and... You, you recognize, oh, I attracted this type of person. I, I, or you wake up and you're 52, right? How does one keep track of the modeling that they inherited? How do they keep track of it? Is relationship the best way to do it? We talked before coming forward. We talked about when you're by yourself and the time, right? by yourself how do you use that time to actually discover what needs to be worked on before interfacing with another person or magnetizing a person with the same lesson 
Let's go back to modeling. So I like that question when you said, is, does people monitor, you said the modeling? Yeah, how do you monitor it? How do you, how does it come to your attention? I like what Alicia Keys said. That was deep. I was really into it. You cut it. I was. <laughs> it, can't, it can't play the whole night. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even know it was. And I was like, this is deep because it's real. And how you said like some things in trauma and childhood could be subtle. Right. So it would only make me think based on what she was saying, what was modeled to her in the home to make her feel like she can't spend money, you know. I don't think you should just go out and just splurge and just be crazy and you can't pay your mortgage, your rent, your car note, your responsibilities. But I do think if you work hard, you should be able to reward yourself. But I could, as she was speaking, I was thinking about, you know, where a household where maybe let's say the lights got turned off periodically or, you know, they weren't able to basically um, eat the thing. You know, they used to have the um, the cereal in the plastic bags versus uh, yeah. the <laughs> Yes, I remember. <laughs> you know what the, I mean? The, right. And the, so it kind of tells you where you were at financially, right. even though as a kid, you, you really didn't know. You probably wanted the ones in the box. Right. However, going into adulthood, that is the reason why she had that concept and that mindset based on what she was dealing with as a kid. You said a lot of things that we go through as kids manifest in our adult lives and our relationships, which is true, right? Even less, I'm going I'm to I'm reach a bit. According to John Bowlby in attachment <laughs> theory, sure. Okay, right. right. So I'm going to take it a step further. Let's say what Alicia Keys take what she was talking about and saying she couldn't even splurge on herself. Mm. So if we translate that to relationships, because the impoverished mentality, because of what I went through and not having enough, I don't even know if I can have what I want in a guy. Ooh. I don't even know if I can have what I want in a woman. Hey, right? Come on. Based on what I've experienced and what I've been through. So what do I do? I settle. Even though it sounds crazy, those little subtle things that you deal with as a kid, it plays out. Because what it taught her to think as as I can't have what I want mm. or I can't have more. Mm. And if I do go for more, mm -hmm. I'm going to end up back broke. Wow. Wow. And, 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 and the only pushback I have is to me, it's not settling. You get what you are. You well, get who well, you that's are. True. So it's not settling. I'm going to only say it's settling. The reason why not even settling in a relationship, settling with self. Let's say, for example, right? Uh -huh. The person that is shy. Mm -hmm. They walk in the room. I always ask people, okay, when you say you're shy, what does that mean? Oh, I'm just shy. I've been shy my whole life. No, you're not. You're fearful. You care about what other people think. And because you care about what other people think, you dim your light. You minimize yourself. Right. You downplay yourself. Keep going. And you settle with self. So if I settle with myself, I'm going to settle with relationships. Uh -huh. I'm going to settle with careers. Uh -huh. I'm going to settle in friendships. Regardless of how uh -huh. I'm being treated, I'm going to settle. So not necessarily with other people. Settlement starts first with you. Come on. Come on. Uh, Dr. Mayo up. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get to your phone lines. 1-800-920-1580. I 100% I agree. And and I think we're saying somewhat similar things here. I just believe people get who they are for the for purpose sure. of comfortability. But I think it's for the purpose of moving forward. What do you mean? Because relationship is a mirror. It's going to show you Who what you, you need to work on. You're not going to be able to escape that. It's going to show up. You know, we got the enhancement bias. How long the enhancement bias lasts? 18 months? After 18 months, something you go, it's going to show up. <laughs> and now you're going to have to deal with yourself again. Back to the great Carl Jung. What did he say? 
What did he say? The most terrifying thing is to accept oneself completely. Mm. Carl Jung. What else did he say? People will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own souls. And that means even running into a relationship thinking that it's not a highly reflective mirror. That's going to put you front and center with yourself yet again. When we come forward, the voice of reason and Dr. Mayo, we're going to keep cooking. Are you broke internally? We're going to find out. Back in the building, you already know my playlist is my co-host. And because we have these clips, right, uh, where these different clinicians are sharing their perspective on, uh, you know, the poverty mindset, uh, we didn't get a chance to kind of talk about some of the records that we were playing. And I know a lot of people in here who listen to KBLA. You you might not like hip-hop, but I'm hip-hop. I love hip-hop. I I breathe hip-hop. This is just part of my life here. Now, the first record we played was Animal Ambition by 50 Cent. And he's talking about how he has an animal ambition to succeed. He's voracious and ferocious and ravenous like a lion, right? He, Hey, he wants to go get it. You, you heard his first album, Get Rich or Die Trying. I'm going to get rich or I'm going to die trying to get rich. It's an amazing, amazing concept there. And then Nas's record, Money, great record as well. And then you just heard the legends run DMC, Hard Times. Bit of trivia here. Most people don't know that Hard Times was first Curtis Blow's record. Mm. And even some of the same lyrics that uh, uh, that Run DMC are using are from Curtis Blow's record that came out before Run DMC's iteration of it. I just thought I'd share that. But back to brokenness. <laughs> My homegirl is in the building along with her husband. They wealthy. <laughs> They wealthy in love. I be trying to tell people, listen, if you're wealthy in love, you can make it through anything. If you're wealthy in love, if you're wealthy in respect, if you're if you're wealthy in empathy, if you're wealthy in emotional IQ, if you're wealthy in compassion, these are some components, right? This is some real wealth going on in a relationship. You can't build without these components, in my ability, in my opinion. You, if you're wealthy in conflict management because y'all ain't gonna agree on everything but if you're wealthy in certain things your relationship is gonna make make it through anything and i believe at the foundation of it is authentic true love but you got some splaining to do (laughs) about folks settling what what are your thoughts okay so let's run that back because i don't want to misinterpret it so when i'm talking about settling i'm talking about self And I want to be very clear because you could be in a relationship, right? And I think at some point, everyone, every last one of us is broken, right? I don't think anyone comes out the wound whole and healed and know everything, what to do and how to do it. I think we all experience some form of trauma while we grow up throughout our lives, right? And so when I say settle, I'm talking about getting to know you because you could be in a relationship and you both can be broken and you both can be healed together. I would just be transparent. You know, I met my husband when we were 13. We were both broken. Mm-hmm. We grew up together. And there were some times where I was like, hey, catch up. You moving too slow and vice versa. He was like, hey, you moving too slow. Catch up. And so because everyone has their own journey and everyone moves at their own pace. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying just look at people and be like, oh, my God, they got an impoverished mentality. I'm not going to deal with them because in reality, it needs to be a self-reflection first. Mm-hmm. You need to deal with you first. So mm-hmm. I'm not talking about settling with a man or a woman. I'm talking about settling with 
within yourself. Come on. Come on. L- listen. You about to get Deacon Zoe out here this evening. Let's go. Where where my <laughs> organs at? You about to get the Deacon in here this. Just because you have a vision doesn't mean you deserve it. Sometimes you got to earn that vision. Sometimes you got to put the work in to get that vision. Many people think just because they see it, they deserve it. No, you deserve what you work for. If you haven't worked to heal yourself, you can envision the perfect man, but he'll keep passing you by because you ain't did the work because you're the one lying to yourself. You're the one making yourself feel small. You're the one marginalizing what you could be doing in the world. Let me tell you now. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I digress. My uncle passed oh, away. <laughs> get ready, um, get ready, get ready, get so ready. So I'm just she's she's making such a salient point here. If you don't conquer the little broken, belittled person you've created in or you've nurtured. Nur- yeah. You've nurtured this little broken person in your spirit. If you don't heal that. You're not even going to be able to recognize love. Mm, right. Talk to me. Of course, you're not going to be able to recognize it because you're going to be so stuck in what you're familiar with. So I, I've seen this. I, I feel bad for the good guys. I've seen so many females, friends and family members. I'm like, hey, that guy is good. But it's like, oh, he ain't got no swag. He, But it's like he's talking to you polite. He's respectful. Plus, he has swag. But you're not used to aggressiveness. So because he's not aggressive. He too weak because you, you come on because he's Keep not you, you get what I'm saying. So yeah. it's like I feel bad for the good guys because they get a bad rap and then it doesn't it takes a minute for them to be like, dang, I wish I would have cherished that. But because of what they seen, what they've been through and how they grew up, they don't even know how to recognize that dudes the same thing. They could have a great woman, great woman, go out and cheat on them, you know, disrespect them. But not even understand this woman will have your back loyal to the soil, but you looking for something else because of what it looks like and then get it and understand it's not what you want. But all those are things of how what is within us that we can't see a virtuous woman or a man of honor when we see them, even when he's fallen or when she's fallen. What do you mean? I always say everybody's a work in progress. True. Even the virtuous man, even the virtuous woman. We've all fallen short of the glory and the grace of God. We've all fallen. And all I'm saying is, and I've said this on many occasions. There's no space for humanity in relationships, meaning if to be human, right, is to be in error, to be in sin, to be flawed. Shouldn't you anticipate even the good man making a mistake (laughs) or the good woman making a mistake? Shouldn't you anticipate that and also have a grace storage for when that happens? If, in fact, you are in love and you appreciate that person. But do we do that? We should, but there's a difference between mistakes and character, right? Talk to me. So if somebody, you know, infidelity happens, right? I'm not going to say in every relationship. You know, I have friends that haven't experienced it. I pray that they never do. However, if it's a continuous, repetitive behavior, now is this a mistake? So you're saying 
or this character. So you're saying if it happened more than one time. I'm not going to even say more than one time. I'm going to say if you've been with somebody in the duration of your relationship, there's always been infidelity. I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's just duration. Throughout. Throughout. The entire time. Come on. That's not a mistake. That's character. You know, if you've been disrespected throughout the relationship, now we have to ask, is this a mistake? Because a mistake, when you're corrected, you change it, right? Right. If I keep doing it, I'm intentionally doing it. If I know I'm hurting my husband. So wait, if I keep doing it, that's one thing. Or if I continue to do it, it's both, right? Yeah. There we go. I just wanted to make that (laughs) distinction. Keep going. So if my husband came to me and said, this is hurting me, right? Mm -hmm. And I say, I love this person. Why would I continue to do it? Mm. And it's affecting my relationship. Why would I continue to do it? That's no longer a mistake. This is who I am. I don't care. The selfishness in me, which is a p- another part of impoverished mentality, because you're not thinking of anyone other than yourself. So selfishness is a part of the the scarcity mentality. Of course. Ooh, that's big. Why? Because and I'm, I got to get what I got to get mine. I, I can't right. worry about nobody else. So that's a kind of selfishness. Talk. I mean, uh, impoverty, impoverished. It's selfishness in both. That's crazy. Because think about it, right? So when she people. Cooking. When people do things, they do it for the gratification of themselves. But in a relationship, there is no I. It's us. It's we. It's a team, right? Mm. So if you're not thinking about the betterment of your partner, right, then what are you doing in a relationship in the beginning? Mm. Why are you there? Mm. (laughs) That's just heavy. (laughs) No, I like it. Let me just... You went to you went you went straight to infidelity, but there's other ways that impoverished mindset can affect that relationship. When we come forward, we're going to talk about it. If you concentrate solely on your career, you can get a long way in your career. And I would say that that's a strategy that a minority of men preferentially do. That, that's all they do. They work like 70, 80 hours a week. They go flat out on their career. They're staking everything on the small probability of exceptional status in a narrow domain. But it's, it's hard on them. They don't have a life. It's very difficult for them to have a family. What's the one thing, the one thing you said, God, I wish I had done that, that I haven't done? You know, thanking Melinda. It may be that that unidimensionality is the price you have to pay to be exceptional at one thing. Right, because if you're going to be something like a genius level mathematician and you want to do that for, or a scientist say, it's like you're in your lab, you're in your lab all the time, you're working 70 hours a week or 80 hours a week, you're smart, you're dedicated, you're unidimensional, and that's how you get to beat all the other people who are doing that. It's the only way. But the problem is you don't get a life. Now, if you love being a scientist and you have that kind of focus of mind, well, first of all, you're a rare person, and second, you're going to pay for it. But fine, more power to you. But, but it's, a, it's a risky business to do that. You sacrifice a lot for it. You know, and I would say most often, if you're speaking about having a healthy life, that isn't what you do. 
you spread yourself out more. So, you know, you have a family, you have some things that you do outside of work that are meaningful to you and useful. You, you have a network of friends. Um, well, that, that, those three things alone are, four things alone are plenty to keep you well oriented. And then if one of those things collapses, you know, everything doesn't go. Now, the, the price you pay for that is the more you strive to optimize that balance, the less likely you are to be fantastically successful at any single one of them. But you might have a very, you know, if you con consider your life as a whole, that might be a winning strategy. One of the things Carl Jung said, I really liked this. He thought that men went after perfection and win women went after wholeness. So they're different, they're different value, they're, di they're different, there's something different at the top of the value hierarchy. So perfection would be stake it all on one thing and, and look for radical success. Not, all, not that all men do that, because they don't, but we're, we're talking about extremes at least with the regards to the men that do that. The wholeness idea is more like, well, I want, I want, it's like I want one thing in my life to be 150%, or I want five things in my life to be 80%. Well, there, there's a lot more richness in a life where you have five things operating at 80%, but you're not operating in any of, at any of them at 150%. So, and I really believe this, because I've watched men and women go through their careers now, for a long period of time, and one of the things that... There's lots of things that produce this. But one of the things that I... Peterson! Jordan Peterson on fire! <laughs> oh, again. We live in a fractured, fragmented reality. And it shows up in our relationships. We tend to pick relationships that are familiar to us, even if they're toxic, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, we tend to uh, defend the brokenness of our upbringing, right? We'll defend it by choosing more of it, right? That's how you defend it. Instead of saying, no, I'm going to stand up to you, and I'm going to undo you, and I'm going to take the pen of self-authorship and rewrite who I really am. No, 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 no. Leave that pen alone. I'm going to befriend my brokenness and I'm gonna attract other people into my life that have a similar type of brokenness right and what was interesting about what Jordan Peterson was saying in that clip if you want to be great at anything you have to devote yourself to it completely radically right you look at some of the great sports figures you say Michael Jordan Kobe Bryant you, know, you hear people talk about Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant they're not very good people they're not very nice people but on the basketball court, because that's all they gave it to was that, right? They were the greats, right? They were the best of the best. Michael Jackson, same kind of way, right? He's just hell-bent on being great, right? Einstein. Einstein was with a woman, married, broke up with her. The woman helped him with some of his formulas, helped him, broke up with her, and married his cousin. Mm. And then ignored her because he wanted peace. <laughs> so he married his cousin and basically ignored her so he could do his work, so he could focus on just his work, right? How does one take that perfectionism to accomplish something, to achieve something? Because it's, it's, it's pervasive in a material society, in a capitalist society, right? To be like, get rich or die trying. I'm going to go get mine. It's, it's, it's pervasive, right? How does one take 
that same type of ambition and hunger and apply it to healing. Hmm. Mindset change. Talk to me. How do we change what has been ingrained? You can't change anything until you first change your mindset. Mm -hmm. And in order to change your mindset, you have to identify there's a problem. Let's take a drug addict, for example. If I'm a drug addict, right, I have to first accept it. I have to first be honest with myself and say, hey, I'm on drugs. This is something I want to change. Many times I think the thing that prevents people from changing is they don't identify and accept it first. Mm. So I think the first step is accepting it. No, the first step is identifying it. The second step is accepting it. The third change, the third step is willing to do the work to change it. Mm. Willingness. A lot of people lack willingness because of fear, because of uncertainty, because of self-doubt. Talk to me about how to cultivate willingness, because to me, willingness is part of the wealthy mindset. That is a level of consciousness to be willing to change, to be willing to grow, to be willing to invest, to be willing to pour in. How does one cultivate that when they're from a place that says, I, I don't I don't have the resources to do that. But we all have that. But, but if I believe I don't. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you why. A lot of times we have the willingness for other things and people just not for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, it's like I'm going to show up to my friend's gathering no matter what. I'm going to show up because I don't want them to feel like I'm not being a good friend. But we don't take that same mentality saying I'm going to show up for myself. I don't want myself to think I'm not being a good person to me. And so we all have a sense of willingness because, OK, when you get up in the morning, there's a willingness to get a paycheck. There's a willingness to feed yourself. There's a willingness to be entertained. Your willingness to get on social media to entertain yourself with drama. So everyone has willpower in them. It's what you put that willpower and time into is so wait what a matters. Minute. Wait, hold on. In the name of Sweet Baby Ray's barbecue sauce, are you saying there is a gross movement of the mismanagement of the innate willingness we have within ourselves. There you go. Because oh. we all have it. What are you doing with it? What do you choose to do with it? So it's not like you don't know what it is. You just are choosing to use it for the things that you want to and not the things that you need to. Wow. Choosing to be superficial. Choosing to be fearful. Su choosing to be petty. Choosing to be avoidant. Cho oh, Lord. This is what's <laughs> happening to folk? It's a choice. It's, I mean, there's no other way around it. You're choosing it. If if I have the willpower to go to school and get a degree, that means I have the willpower to put in the work and change. If I have the willpower to chase this man or woman on social media or to get on these dates and go on dating websites, that means I have the willingness to change. Mm. What are you using your willingness for? Because pe most people use their willingness to pursue their desire and they think their desire will be fulfilling. But until you heal, no desire attained will be will be sweet in the spirit might be sweet in the mouth but it won't be sweet in the stomach there forever will be a void come on the impact of a poverty mindset on a relationship oh my god it can be devastating one of the worst enemies that uh that you could possibly have to deal with is a poverty mindset and let me just let me read this quote for you. One of the worst enemies that sets the platform for developing a poverty mindset is your background. 
where you came from, the mindset of the people you deal with, what you know, and your experiences can set the tone that causes you to believe that you are born to be poor. You can only get out of that dungeon of a mindset by revolutionizing the way that you think. Oscar Bimpong. Now, let me just listen. Most people just rather be comfortable with their norm. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Their norm and nothing else. When a good person comes into your life, even if they do you wrong, but they're good people. You know, good people still do people wrong. Good people still make mistakes, in my opinion. I believe that. But when they come into your life and they have something to give to you and you know it, and you're resistant and reluctant to accept it, is it their fault or your fault for resisting what you know to be valuable? How many times have we walked away from something valuable? How, Dr. Mayo, am I crazy? Not at all. Okay, cool. Help me to understand. Not that. at all. I want to talk about that, and I want to go back to something you said, which was good, and it's about growing up wealthy. But I, I want to. But based on what you just said, I agree with you. Um, many times, it's like a gift. God has shown me this years ago, even with people, right? So it's like a kid on Christmas, they get a, a nice toy, right? So if you ever bought your kids toys and, and they didn't want to play with it, I don't like it. They ungrateful. They this is not what I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. So they put that toy on the shelf and they shove it away and they don't want to play with it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People and relationships are the same thing. We get presented with nice things, new things, beautiful things all the time. Mm -hmm. But because it's not packaged or because we can't see the value in it, we put it on the shelf. Can you imagine leaving a wrapped package under the Christmas tree? We do tree? it all the time. It's there right there on the 26th. <laughs> <laughs> Even, listen, I was a bad little kid. Wait, maybe some family member didn't show up to pick up their package. I'd be, I'd be hovering and circling that package, that Christmas gift. Like, oh, Lord, I wish I could just open. Listen, a lot of people will leave a gift from God unwrapped because it's not in alignment with their wounds demands oh i like that do you see my wound says i need this i need this type of attention i need this type of person and guess what you wake up one day and you have exactly what your wound asks for right and you're disappointed you're frustrated. You're disheveled. But you felt this before. It's a sense of, what is it? Deja vu. Mm. And you okay with it because that's your norm. And the gift that God gave was ignored, was pushed aside, was marginalized, was downgraded because you need to feed that wound, just like a narcissist needs supply, that wound needs supply. It is the wound that is demanding, not you. Mm -hmm. Come t talk to me, Dr. Mayo. Well, well, we speak and want things from our heart, right? Our heart is what we would desire. And so if we're speaking from our heart, what is in our heart? Sometimes our heart is fueled with hate. Just, okay, for example, let's say someone. Revenge. That, yeah. And so when when. I'm going to get this person back by all means necessary. But in many times 
focus on getting the person back only hurts you. But I want to go back to what we were talking about with um, the thing with Albert Einstein. That was actually good. I didn't even know he married his cousin. I was like, what? Yeah, um, come on. But many times people think impoverished mentality because we've been talking about growing up poor so much that we forget that even growing up in a, a, a wealthy household were even emotion. You said basically he married his cousin and, and then didn't want anything to do with her. So you could be raised in a house full of money and still have have an impoverished mentality because you're bankrupt in emotions you don't even know how to be affectionate i see people all the time and it makes them uncomfortable just to hug or be affectionate to their mate so it doesn't have anything to do with finances because we have been talking a lot about growing up poor but you could be in a wealthy household and still have an impoverished mentality ladies and gentlemen you're listening to dr mayo you thought you was going to come in here on a Tuesday and get a lightweight topic, huh? You thought I was going to come in here and talk about the Zodiac, huh? You thought I was going to talk about uh, uh, dating and cheating? No, I, we came in here to conquer, and Dr. Mayo is on fire. What I want a lot of people to do right now is go to her website. Tell them your website right now. So it's my first and last name, Sania Mayo. S is in Sam, A is in Apple, N is in Nancy, I is in Igloo, Y is in Yellow, Y is in Yellow, A is in Apple, H is in Henry, M is in Mary, A is in Apple, Y is in Yellow, O is in Octopus.com. SaniaMayo.com. SaniaMayo.com, right? Mm -hmm. When we come forward, we're going to the phone lines. We got sisters on the line that want to talk to the sister. And when I find that I can teach one person the joy of living, the joy of thinking God's thoughts, it's a beautiful experience to me. I think it was last Sunday and, and Friday of last week that the lady was here and came down here and brought those four bottles of pills that she had to live on. It was really five. She didn't bring the other one. She had gotten rid of that one first. And those were heart pills. And she had to live on those pills every day. She had to take so many from this bottle, so many from that bottle, so many from the other bottle, and she had to carry those heart pills around with her. So that all of a sudden it didn't, the heart didn't act right, she had to pop a pill. She was a legal junkie. You know, there are two kinds of junkies. Uh-oh, uh -oh, I'm getting in your medicine cabinet now. And I'm not trying to tell you, if the doctor prescribes some pills for you, you take them until I can teach you how to live above it. Now, don't go home and throw out your medicine. <laughs> I don't try to stretch you beyond your faith. But this lady has been coming to these services and classes for 14 years, ever since we've been in this building. And it took her about 14 years, but she kept coming right back here. Finally, a year ago, she got it. She heard me say something about the heart. She heard me say that the heart does not attack anybody. People attacked the heart. She says, what? And it wasn't the first time I'd said that. I've said that from time to time. But she got it. It's just like when you come here, you're always going to hear me talking about health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Let me hear you say it. Health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Come on, let's hear it. Health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. 
Let's hear it. Health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Now listen, if you get sick of health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money, no need for you to come back here because I'm going to wash your face in it. I'm going to baptize you with it. I like when we were at the sunset, you know, I'd been there for about a couple of years and somebody said, Reverend Ike, when are you going to baptize us? I said, honey, I've been baptizing you ever since I've been here. And some people just won't get in the water. <laughs> wow, you already know Reverend Ike was the master of this positive mindset. He was quite ahead of his time. Reverend Ike was heavy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Voice of Reason, live on KBLA Talk 1580. Zoe Williams is sitting in here with a sister that has been on complete fire. Dr. Mayo, listen, man, we talking about broke love. Is your relationship on the rocks because of an impoverished mindset? And we've been covering all things impoverished poverty mindset and it has been really rich tonight we've got a caller on the line we want to get her in here so she could talk to dr mayo atala from houston texas mm. get in here uncle Zo, hi yeah. hi dr mayo hello okay so i have a question um so what role do you guys think um fear of success plays in a like impoverished relationship mentality Wait, say it again. I want to hear it one more time. Can you hear me? Hold I, on. I can hear you better now because it sounds like you you was wrestling with a tornado. But you good now. No, I went, out, <laughs> I went outside. Um, okay. So what role do you guys think, um, like, the fear of success plays in, like, an impoverished relationship? And oh, happens? the fear of success. Yeah. Mayo? The fear of success. What part? Or how does it play into an impoverished mentality? A fear, a fear, having fear will keep you from reaching your destiny in anything, in every aspect of life. If you're fearful of something, you're not going to do it. Think about, let's say you're at a amusement park, right? You're fearful of the ride. You're not going to get on. So it's going to stop you from your destiny. It's going to stop you from moving forward. Mm. Mm. So have you experienced this in your relationships, Atala? Yes. Yes, I would say. Open up and share it with Dr. Mayo, man. Don't (laughs) listen. When I get company, you want to get scary. Get in here and let it all hang loose, child. (laughs) I'm I'm not scared. (laughs) I mean, I would say that, like, the relationship didn't even get started. It was over before it started. Um, I think, I guess, in my mind, I felt like, well, you know, if it does go well, and that means I need to change this, get this in order. And I just, I don't know. I felt like I didn't really maybe deserve, like, the the abundance that would come out of me making the changes that I needed to make. What, just, say that one more time. You didn't said, deserve the abundance? Deserve. Wow. Like, yes, elaborate, I, I meaning. I feel like I deserve the abundance. Because I knew that if if things went well, that it could be a really powerful connection and it would change every connection that I have in my life, including the ones that I've like kind of thrown to the wayside because it's just too difficult to deal with. Interesting. So you're saying it would have been a positive thing in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the fear kept you from moving forward. Yes. No, maybe so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. 
So looking back now, what would you have done different? I I think I would have just been more open and authentic from the beginning because by the time it came time for me to actually like be completely honest, it was too late. Wait, wait. So you you showed up as someone else? No, I'm not gonna say I showed up as someone else, but I didn't show up as my full self. Like I definitely held back a lot. Well, your full self is some. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, because if you saying okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because if you saying you didn't show up as yourself. You presented him with someone or her. I don't know. Is it a he or she? It's a he. Okay. <laughs> so you presented him with something, somebody completely different. And so I would hope that you learn from. Wait, no, no. Hold okay. on. When we come forward, Jesus, when we come forward, Dr. Mayo is about to unpack this whole situation we we got a good one right here we got a live one when we come forward the voice of reason shall continue let's stand for the treatment in this treatment let's do a stripping down of the mind if a glass of water our glass is already full in order to get something else in there you've got to empty it right and if a mind is rich in negative ideas rich in the traditions of men Rich in negative ideas. You can't get anything else in that mind until the mind empties out all of those negative ideas and in that sense becomes poor. It's an emptying. It's a stripping process. Strip from your mind every vestige of the idea that there is any power in your material conditions or circumstances. Now, that's another big bugaboo. Oh, once you come to understand that. My condition does not have power over me. I have power over my condition. Say that. My circumstances wait, do not wait, have power. Hold on. Say it together. Now, go ahead. <laughs> I have power over my circumstances. And this is what the Master Jesus tried to reveal to us when he said, All power in heaven and in earth is given unto me. All power in mind and affairs is given unto me. Me, the mastermind, the God mind, the divine mind. Only one source where your conditions and circumstances get their power. Your conditions and circumstances get their power from your thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Reverend Ike, you might not like him, but I like that thought, Ray. That was a very powerful thought. Let's bring Atala from Houston, Texas back in here. Uh, you know, she was presenting her diet self to a guy. <laughs> it's fine. I just, we're going to let Dr. Mayo, because she was, she was saying something to you. And oh my God. Oh. no, I'm just saying, I want her to help you. All right. That's why she's here. I appreciate it. So reframe, the, <laughs> reframe the question for Dr. Mayo so she can tap back into you. Ooh, okay. So what I originally asked? Uh, no, not what you originally asked. What you asked about that revealed 
you saying that, you know, you kind of showed up. Uh-huh. Um, you know. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I said. I just know that I can be honest right now and say that I was not being my full self. Why? In the relationship. Because that has always been a rough place for me. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I just want yeah. to thank you for being vulnerable because it's hard to, you know, just put yourself out there in front of a bunch of strangers. But can I ask you, is it parts of you that you don't like is why you don't show up as your authentic self? Mm. I think there's parts that I know need improvement and I'm scared of the judgment. So I'm like, I know this needs to be fixed. So I'm just going to throw like a little construction tarp over it and hope they don't see it. You do. But they always see it. But I'm, exactly it like it's it's futile right um and i know that but like it doesn't always compute logically like i still do it um so let me ask you this i have a question so the things that you don't like about yourself you know i think everybody has insecurities whether it's weight whether it's just whatever right we all we all hold that um is it a, a situation where it's like something that's an insecurity to you but it's not toxic or are there things that you don't like about yourself that definitely needs to change probably both <laughs> i'm sure it's both can you give me an example of the one is toxic yes i am very quick to criticize like and i think it's because you know i'm there's certain things that like i can see right off bat but even if you're somebody who can kind of see a certain situation, that's still like your perspective and it's still based on, you know, whatever lens you're looking through. And so a lot of times I'll just kind of override that out of fear and be like, no, it's this, even though, <laughs> even though like that's not necessarily true. And I think that in making those judgments, it kind of like steamrolls over people. So you're, and I feel like that's toxic. You're stubborn. You like to be right. And the fact yes. that you criticize but don't like to be judged. How does that mix? Man, it's like oil and water. <laughs> so t tell me about the relationship with the guy. So what happened? You guys are no longer together? Right. We're not of, together. Of course. <laughs> of course they're no longer together. It, it Listen, that is the perfect out. We're no longer together. And when we were no longer <laughs> together... I'm not responsible for the work that was revealed in the mirror interaction. Right. So given this relationship, the fact that you're not together, did you take from that and say, hey, I need to change and improve upon this? Yes. Yes. It, it was pretty blatant. There was. I was like, oh, I saw that. I don't I don't like that. That needs to change. I'm in the process of working on it. It's, it's not easy. It's not. But are you putting in the work and it's daily? Yes. Yes. Every day. Wow. So I commend you for that. Yay. <laughs> and honestly, let me, let me, shameless plug for Uncle Zoe. Y'all get the shroud at Lighthouse. Get the shroud. I like, so I got to, the reason why I like decided to definitely call in tonight is because I feel like this kind of reflects a lot on lecture 11 in Dr. Zoe's or. Dr. Zoe. Uncle Zoe? Uncle Zoe, yes. That's Dr. Mayo. Yes. I'm Uncle, Uncle Zoe. Yes. 
yes, Uncle Joe's book, um, Lecture 11, kind of reflects a lot on on this. And I think, especially when you start getting into the idea of detaching from results that you want out of relationships and things like that, I mean, for me, I'm just like, how am I going to demand or try and, you know, have any sort of outcome when I have, like, all these issues going on? So that was kind of number one for me, is a little mind-boggling. Well, I appreciate yeah. you, sister. We love you. We love you. You brought Houston, Texas in the building. Houston. Yeah. Thank you for this. Thank you for the call. Atala, if you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at one 800 Let's get deeper. Let's get deeper. It's, it's an impoverished mindset to think that the number one conflict resolution tool is to break up. True or false? Say that one more time. The conflict resolution tool. The number one conflict resolution tool is breaking up. Yeah. (laughs) Many people see it that way. Are going into another relationship, occupying your time while you're still in that relationship. Uh, Monkey branching. Yeah. 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 A lot of people do that. A lot of people think you don't see it either. But a lot of people do it. Right. So, again, many people think, okay, let me cut it off because it's getting too Deep. Real. Mm-hmm. Too deep. Run away from the problem. Come on. Can we go into that impoverished mindset? <laughs> so typically when we run away from the problem, obviously because we don't want to deal with the problem. But typically, honestly, I like what she said. You know, there were some things that she saw about herself that she was willing to change. But we run because ding, ding, ding. We don't want to change. Back again. The most terrifying thing is to accept oneself completely, Carl Jung. And he also said people will do anything no matter how absurd to avoid facing their own soul. See, relationship is going to make you face your soul. Mm. Relationship is going to put you front and center with your soul. You may not think so, but watch when conflict, right? That's the purpose of conflict. And I'm not talking about violence. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about conflict, right? That's the purpose of it is to reveal the flaws in the way you think, the flaw in the perspective, the rigidity in the thought process. There's even the impoverishment. Wow. My partner said something that sounds crazy, but really it's an idea that if I looked at it, say, coming from somebody else instead of him. This could broaden my perspective. This could stretch my mentality. But because it's coming from him. And I have resentment and I'm holding on to things that may have happened before. And I said I forgave, but I really didn't because I'm still. Ho- Do you see? Do you see how the impoverished thought process imprisons the progress for a relationship moving forward? Talk to me. So just what you said, I agree completely. I, I want to go back to when you were saying uh, about change. Many times people don't want to change because then they can be on the island by themselves. And you talked about soul and self-discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Something to that effect. People don't like to be alone. People don't like to be alone because I like what she said, too, going back to the girl from Houston when she was saying there's parts of me that I don't like. Mm -hmm. Atala. Atala. Mm -hmm. And many people are not willing to be real and be honest about that, right? So if I don't like myself, what does that say about myself? Because if I don't want to be alone with myself to deal with those things, what does that also say? Dig deeper. Many times people being alone, this is why I make the distinction between peace and quiet. 
What is, oh. Yeah. I didn't even think about see, that. See, okay, see, elaborate. See, so a lot of times being alone is about escaping the noise of your responsibility. Sometimes in a relationship, things get welled up that you have to address about you. And many times people will choose being alone so they don't have to deal with it. So I say quiet is to escape. Peace is to center in the storm. This is what Jesus said when he said, peace, be still. There's a quietness that you could just say, all right, I got this. I'm all right. Even in the storm of it, right? You just, I got this. But many people, they don't know how to be peaceful. They don't know how to just say, because with peace comes acceptance. With with an impoverished mentality comes chaos. That's So again, I'm moving away into quiet. There's chaos here. I'm going over there. Right. But going over there, that's a type of avoidance. Escapism is a type of avoidance. And you know, like I know, avoidance creates conflict. Because at some point, you got to deal with it. At some point, Jacob had to deal with Esau. You ran away to your uncle Laban. You done married some folk and you had some. And then you come back and you scared of your brother because you didn't deal with it. You avoided the conflict that was waiting. Do you see what I'm saying? Many people avoid the conflict in favor of peace. Let's flip it real quick, though. Let's talk about. Wait, wait. When we come forward, she got something for me. Dr. Mayo is in here. I'm going to have to bring her back, man. She is so good. When we come forward, more from Dr. Mayo. Brother Zoe Williams, the voice of reason, has returned to KBLA Talk 1580. We've come full circle after having come forward. I'm here with Dr. Mayo. And when I tell you. She has slapped us upside the head tonight. We are grateful and appreciative of this sister and her husband coming in and sharing this veritable smorgasbord of wisdom. And that's the whole purpose of the show. The antithesis of a wealth mindset is a poverty mindset. Most who have this poverty mindset or poverty mentality don't realize they have it a poor mindset generates the thinking that attaining wealth is impossible that it can be done without effort or that one just does not have the special sauce it takes to become wealthy this mindset undermines our goals and our activities active and will actively drive wealth away from us unless we work to counteract it that's dr lucas d shalua now let me just say pouring into your relationship when it's broken is wealth building Mm -hmm. loving on your partner when they are wounded and their intentions are right by you that's wealth building pouring on yourself taking time for yourself Self-care, self-empathy, self-acknowledgement, self-acceptance. That's wealth building. Many of us are so hell-bent on looking at our partner to provide all the things that we're capable of providing. That's the poverty mindset. Dr. Mayo is here. I want to give her the final thought. You just said it. I was basically saying let's give them some tools to leave with. But you, you, you said it, wealth building. So you already put it in perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So where do people find you? SaniaMayo.com. You guys already put it in the chat. Um, if you're not in the chat, S-A-N-I-Y-Y-A-H-M-A-Y-O.com. 
And I also want to support your husband because he's got a lot of good things going on. What websites and grind face? Yes, <laughs> I, 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 listen. That's that's all I have to say. You Google it, grind face. Yes, and grind face TV. The reason why I'm acknowledging the brothers because he's a solid brother. Wherever I see you, I see him. Teamwork. And I love it. Teamwork makes the dream There's times when I got to fall back and support him. And then the other times he got to fall back and support me. We move as a a unit. What is that? That's bi-directionality. You know? That's mutuality. You know? I always say somebody got to support the supporter. Correct. Huh? Correct. (laughs) Come on now. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Voice of Reason. You already know my rule here. We start the conversation. It's up to you to finish it. Mm. Right? I always come from the space. We don't know everything, but we know something. Right? And we want you guys to build with us. We don't want to dominate the conversation. We want you to come in and share your stories with us. Now, I know, I know some of you guys are uncomfortable having these types of talks. But guess who's not going to stop having them? I know you're out there listening. I I saw you. I know you're out there listening. But it's okay. We're going to continue to have these types of discussions because I believe that healthy relationships are the core of the black community. As long as the black community has poor, impoverished relationships, there won't be any unity. There won't be any cooperation, collaboration. There will always be separation amongst a group of people that need each other more than anybody else in the world. So this is why we have these types of conversations. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Of course, my guest, Dr. Mayo, she's going to come back. I promise. Are you going to come back? I'll come I'll come back. Okay, cool. Now we appreciate you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned.